The Covenant Podcast exists to discuss doctrine, theology, and the biblical worldview from a covenantal Baptist perspective. We pray that this resource will be edifying to you and glorifying to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Covenant Podcast. Austin McCormick here with my co-host, Jimmy Johnson. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. CBTS exists to provide ministerial training in the context of a confessional local church. They are, among other things, confessional, Baptist, affordable, and accessible. You can learn more about them at cbtseminary.org. That is cbtseminary.org. Our guest today is Dr. Griever, who is the pastor of First Baptist Church of Fenton, Missouri. He is a recently retired professor of Bible at Missouri Baptist University. He has pastored for over four decades in several states, including Texas, Oklahoma, Indiana, and Missouri. Twenty-five of those years have been at FBC Fenton. During that time, he has also taught ministry, Bible, theology, and religious classes for several institutions. He holds a Doctor of Theology degree from Trinity Theological Seminary, a Master of Divinity degree from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and a Bachelor of Arts degree from Howard Payne University. His passion and vision for the church are faithfulness to the gospel of Jesus Christ in our generation. He seeks to ground the church in its worship, life, and ministry in a biblically-based, Christ-exalting, and gospel-centered way. Dr. Griever is here to discuss the subject of biblical hermeneutics. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Griever. It's good to be with you guys. Thanks for asking me. Hey, Dr. Griever, thank you so much for the opportunity to have this conversation today. Uh, My first question is threefold, actually. So I'll ask it this way. What is biblical hermeneutics? Uh, What are some common approaches to it? And what approach do you think is best? Well, the meaning of biblical hermeneutics and the point of it is to gain a correct interpretation of the scriptures. And um, of course, this should be self-evident why it's important. Uh, It's important because we need to get the word of God right. um, And we need to understand what God had in mind when he gave us uh, the scripture. And we need to understand that because the word of God is his authoritative and errant word, it becomes the basis upon which we do uh, everything in the church um, as God's people. Uh, so th- this is vital. And to have a, a correct and a proper approach to interpreting it is, is I think, very foundational uh, to our, our life as, as, as those who follow Christ and those who seek to serve him. I think uh, there have been a number of approaches through the years um, some bad, some uh, better. Um, the allegorical approach was very common uh, many years ago. Um, 
And uh, I don't think that is a good approach at all because it imposes things upon the text that really uh, uh, aren't there. Um, there's probably more common today a, uh, an approach called reader response. Basically, it, it looks at the text of Scripture through the eyes of the, of the interpreter himself and seeks to understand what the text means to him. Uh, but what that does is it, it fails to understand what the text truly means. That is what God meant it to mean. Um, the, I think the proper approach uh, is the, what is commonly called the grammatico-historical, um, and that is to approach the text first and foremost as language um, embedded with the truth of, of God's um, ideas in and conveyed by that language uh, to us who seek to understand it. Dr. Griever, um, the next question is, why does biblical hermeneutics matter? Which you kind of alluded to again, but let's be more specific. Yeah, let me, let me scratch that a bit uh, more. Um, specifically speaking, um, I think it is fundamental, necessary, uh, for a proper interpretive approach to the Scripture for preaching, for teaching the Word of God. Uh, it, it is obvious that if a pastor doesn't know how to rightly interpret the Scripture, um, uh, the very uh, idea of preparing a sermon is rooted in this, in this concept of first and foremost of finding out what the text says and what it means by what it says upon which we build a sermon to our people, our Bible classes, our Sunday school classes, um, the very theological structure of the work of the church uh, in Sunday school and discipleship training and evangelism. All of this is, is based on a proper understanding of the word of God. I, I want to say that this presupposes that we understand that the point of the church is to rightly understand the word of, of God. Um, sadly, uh, the church in the last, uh, oh, I don't know, perhaps as much as 100 years has been primarily driven, at least the evangelical church in America, in my judgment, has been driven by pragmatism to the point where it, it really seeks to find out techniques and things that, quote, may work in, in the life of the church and has really failed to rightly appreciate our calling to rightly interpret the word of God and put that truth in place in our, in our churches. And I want to say one other thing here about that. Um, we must understand that biblical hermeneutics is not only a, a, an issue for the academy or the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, those who teach in the institutions uh, of colleges and seminaries. But this is a task of the church, the local church. And so pastors and lay people must, in my way of thinking, must understand the importance of it and how to implement it.
Dr. Griever, how are hermeneutics and theology related to each other? For example, uh, we believe that the Bible is uh, inspired and inerrant. How does this affect how we should read and study the Bible? Well, I think you you will not rightly interpret the Scripture if first and foremost you do not believe, confess, and implement a conviction that the Word of God is God's inerrant, authoritative, and all-sufficient Word. Um, that actually drives the exegesis, and it drives our interpretive approach. Uh, without that conviction, you will treat the text perhaps in a cavalier way, or see it more as a reflection of the culture in which certain texts were written, rather than to see it as God's uh, uh, transcultural, transhistorical, eternal word. Let me add to that that um, theology is vital. I, I think it, it walks hand in hand with the interpretive process uh, in that <clears throat> uh, we, we have to understand what the nature of the canon of Scripture is all about. Uh, it's Christocentric. It is centered on Christ. It, um, it is redemptive. It's, it's centered around Christ's redeeming work, God fulfilling his covenant promise uh, to send the Messiah and through him uh, to save his people. And so all the, the 66 books of the Old and New, New Testaments form one canon. And each individual book in that canon and each text in those books relates in a, in a central way uh, and in a linked way together to, to, to bring that about, to express that, to explain that. Specifically speaking, um, oftentimes you'll find in the text of Scripture terms that are pregnant with theological uh, ideas and insights. I mean, even something as f fundamental as, as the word uh, Israel, uh, there are times when that word will be used uh, to mean biological Israel. There are times when that, that means the northern kingdom. There are times when that means God's people. So contextually, uh, you have to understand what that word means and how it's used in a particular text. The point being that Theological understanding feeds into our unpacking a text in terms of what it means. Thank you. Um, the next question's a little bit more technical in terms because of what's being asked, but there's been what's called a revival of pre-modern exegesis, which is similar to what I would understand to be the redemptive historical approach. They aren't exactly the same thing, but similar. But essentially the question is, should we look beyond the authorial intent of the human author to find what was meant by the divine author? And I'll put that differently. Um, is there meanings conveyed in a given text that wasn't necessarily grasped in its fullness by the human author that God inspired? to write it. 
So, for example, you have the Old Testament sacrificial system, you have the ban upon the nations in Canaan or the judicial laws of Israel. Should we interpret these things in light of the what we might call the later, the greater light of the New Testament? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, it, God revealed his truth biblically in a progressive fashion. Um from old to new testaments and and uh, that incorporates in it this concept of moving from the general to the specific so it's obvious in the old testament as an example um, moses or or the prophets or david uh, as they spoke and wrote and and declared god's word and as god used them as his instrument um they could not and did not fully under understand this. Hebrews 11 particularly explains that we are linked back to them, but they in, in their day did not fully understand or appreciate uh, all that God was saying and doing. Uh, that, that is true. However, it's also true to say that um, I mean, God's word, uh, the Bible, is is multi-layered um, and I'm not I'm not meaning by that um, uh, I, that I would concur with those who would say it has three layers of meaning the literal the spiritual the psychological and all of that but I am suggesting that truth um, is very deep and even if you get a, a a top layer of truth correctly, it doesn't mean you understand all there is to understand about the truth which you understand. So uh, that, in fact, I, I think, I, I believe that when we go to heaven, we will continue to learn truth about the truth we know. So all of that is embedded in that. But from a practical perspective, I think in terms of an approach to understanding a text of scripture, we must try to understand what the author meant by what he said. That language is, is like a covenant communication with the person reading. Uh, we have syntax, we have grammatical sentence structure, we have meanings of words, and we have qualifications in that, that help us, help him to, to convey an idea and help us to understand what that idea is. Now, it is also true to say that God is speaking through these people. So I think it is true to say that God, God embedded more in what Paul said than what Paul even knew at the time. Although Paul said he had, God had given to him re revelations and he claimed, which we believe to be true, that he got the gospel from Jesus Christ himself. But he said he, he saw things and he knew things that he could not express. So uh, there are things that are indeed above and beyond the human intellect uh, at this stage and at this point. That certainly is true. However, the text itself becomes the bridge in the context of the canon of Scripture uh, to convey those ideas that God wants us to know. And I think it's important that we be content with that. 
um, that we don't ask questions that are inordinate or inappropriate. Uh, whatever is revealed in the scripture is, is for us to know, and we should seek to know. And of course, we grow in our understanding of it um, as we experience life. Um, but we should not pose questions beyond the purpose and point of the text itself. Well, following up on that, uh, what are some guiding principles or steps to properly interpret a text of Scripture that you would recommend to our listeners? Um, I want to give a preamble to that by saying I, I would urge pastors to teach first to learn how to interpret the Scripture and teach that to your people. And don't allow hermeneutics to be something only academics do. Um, with that in mind, I do believe that people who do not know Greek and Hebrew can, if they have a correct, a good translation of the scripture, can, can have a good handle of interpretation of what God's word says. So with that in mind, um, uh, some of this is simple. It's read the text over and over and over again. Uh, in an appropriate uh, size piece of the larger book um, until you understand it. Uh, this involves observation. This involves understanding. It, it's taking the time and utilizing a mental focus to read what's there and to make observation relative to subject and verb and direct object and indirect objects and qualifying sentences and clauses and uh, parallel structures. Just read the text um, and and see if you can determine within, a, for example, a paragraph, what the central idea of the text is, the CIT. Um, what is being said here and how does that idea uh, develop in this paragraph as the text explains it or contrasts it or whatever it does? Take the time to do that. Uh, jot notes down. Um, be careful and thorough in your reading and contemplation of it. Be prayerful. Uh, spiritual preparation is very, very important. Pray before you do this. Pray as you're doing this. Look for how God reveals himself in this passage. Look for uh, commands that God gives. Look for promises that God gives. Uh, get, look for how he affirms certain things or he rebukes certain things. Notate that. All of that is clear. The scripture is clear. It's perspicuous. It's clear and understandable. I sometimes think we feel like the scripture is so above us that we can't understand it. That's just not true. The whole nature of the scripture is such that God wants us to understand it. Uh, keep all words and your understanding of those words and terms in their contextual usage. And then, and then look for ways that these concepts that you're discovering in this passage are referred to in other passages of Scripture. The analogy of faith teaches us that Scripture interprets Scripture. So look for other passages that will inform the focal passage under consideration. Um, this takes time. <laughs> uh, 
but it's worth it. And it's important that we take the time to do it. Yeah, I, I think those principles are all very helpful. I mean, the next question is some books, but I have an ad lib question or, or just one off the top of my head. Sure. Um, you and I spoke on Friday about keep, not keeping it out of the academy, but making sure that hermeneutics gets into the hands and the minds of the people that make up our local churches. Um, for for pastors and lay people who alike who might be listening, what are some suggestions that you would have for, say, a pastor like me to begin introducing these topics to my people? I mean, yes, we preach expositionally, so that in part already begins to reinforce this idea, but what other steps mm-hmm. can we take to to kind of pass these principles on to our people? Well, hopefully... Uh, a pastor is in a church where he may presuppose that his people believes that the Bible is the word of God. Um, If that's not true, if he cannot make that assumption, then he has bigger problems. Um, But if we presuppose that our people believe as as an item of conviction, that the Bible is the word of God, that God wants us to understand it, that God wants us to believe it, and God wants us to apply it to our lives appropriately, um, then I think a pastor can use that. In fact, I think a pastor should begin there. Um, Use language like uh, we need to understand the word of God. We we need to study the word of of God. And uh, the word of God is for our edification. And the word of God is for our, our training. And you use, uh, you, you find these terms all the way through the New Testament, uh, where it's presupposed that the gospel is about training. I mean, Jesus in the Great Commission says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Uh, Paul advises in his pastoral epistles to, uh, to teach the people. Preach to the people, teach the people. So I, I think we should refer that to our people, and we will probably get affirmation from them on that. The key then is to say, well, now what does that mean and what does that uh, imply? Uh, we should understand the word of God. We should seek to understand it. So why not take the time to have some classes or or let's uh, let's look at it together and and, and, and discover and investigate um, how we can rightly approach the scripture for the use of the word of God in our church. <clears throat> and I think, I think you'll get a lot of support from that. However, I would give a caveat. I think every pastor needs to understand that there are lost people very likely in his church. And my experience has been, although I didn't believe this at one time when I was a younger man, and I'm not a younger man now, um, I thought uh, innocently that if I preached the gospel, the better I preached the gospel, the better I preached the Bible, the more people would love me. And I found that not to be the case. Um, it, what happens is it divides people. Uh, you're feeding sheep, but you're threatening goats when you teach and preach the word of God. Um, so there will be opposition to that. Um, 
I've had pe people say, well, you're, you're just turning the church into a, a school. And, uh, and so you face that kind of, of criticism that, but teaching and study and learning is embedded in the Christian life and faith itself. And many people will understand that. I would look for ways to, to do some practical classes like that and teach general principles of interpretation of Scripture to your people that they could immediately put into practice as they prepare Sunday school uh, classes and all of this sort of thing. Um, and look for, in your church, dedicated, um, enthused, uh, sometimes young people, uh, who want to learn and pour your life into them and teach them and teach them how to teach others. Um, we have to, we have to continue to commit ourselves, not only to the doctrine of the scripture, but we need to commit ourselves to a right interpretation of the scripture. Everything depends upon it. I'm trying to think if there are any other questions before we ask for books and resources, because I want to take as much time as we can, because I think you have a lot of good things to say for our listeners. So um, another question prior to the book question that that I would ask is, um, you kind of alluded to it in the fact that hopefully a pastor can assume that most of his people believe that the word or that the Bible is the word of God. And I, I would say that's true of both Austin mm -hmm. and I's um, churches and, and, and many of the churches. Um, that said, I mean, something that I at least run into in my context, being in a rural area, is people don't take the time to, to study the Word of God or don't take the time to learn to study the Word of God. And obviously, we can't force people into a study. Um, so, what encouragement... I guess this isn't a technical question, but what encouragement do you have for the pastors, particularly the younger pastors that just really want their people to read and study the Word of God and learn it, um, but can't seem to get them to do it, I guess, or, or get them even interested in going deeper about these things? Sure. Well, first of all, I think the two biggest problems that we face in our own lives, perhaps, but uh, in our churches and with our people relative to this issue, is, first is the one you brought up, is just not believing enough that the Word of God is the Word of God so that it drives us to study the Word of God and take the time to do it. I mean, what we do is what we believe, not what we say. So just because we claim to believe the Word of God doesn't really mean we believe that the Word of God is the Word of God. If, if we were to understand the pricelessness, the treasure of Scripture, we would give the time to it. The second great problem is, particularly for people who've been in the church for many, many years, um, Sometimes we come to the reading and study of the Word of God with a preconditioned notion that we already understand it. And we fail to be open to it. 
familiar passages fall into this as well. I mean, passages we know so well. It's not to say that previous study of a passage doesn't help inform us as we look at it again and again. But I, I would argue that, well, as, as the scripture says, it's living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. It's, it's a piercing thing, and there's a life to it. It's the sword of the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, as we read it and study it and engage it in a serious way, there's a spiritual dynamic going on. And that needs to be up to date. Um, it's, it's very similar to pastors shouldn't just preach sermons they did 10 years ago. They should be writing new sermons. Even passages they preached on over and over, they should re-engage that. Because there's a spiritual dynamic there that gives life, that gives energy to the preaching of the Word of God. And that leads me to talk about that aspect of it. I think one of the most powerful things that a pastor can do with his people to help get them enthused about the Word of God is to himself be enthused about the Word of God. They need to see you enthused in the pulpit. Now, this shouldn't be contrived and it shouldn't be artificial and certainly it should be sensational, but it should be honest, sincere, and real. Uh, if if you have been in the Word of God preparing your sermon and that passage speaks to you, then although you may not be a passionate individual and you may not be demonstrative in terms of your emotional expression, but in whatever way that is, that is true to who you are, let that joy out. Let that interest out. Let, let that enthusiasm out because your people will see that. And when they see that year, week after week, month after month, year after year, if you stay there year after year, they're going to begin to feel, they're going to catch it. And I think that's important. And don't forget that the Holy Spirit is working on them. The Holy Spirit is affirming his word to his people. So um, I think one of the greatest frustrations in my life as a pastor of many, many years is that is that uh, a failure to see people rightly appreciate what we have in the Word of God. But we cannot force them, as you said. We, we cannot make that happen. But we can be in prayer that the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, would speak to the hearts of people as we come to engage the Word of God. And there's a spiritual dynamic there that only he can give, but thankfully he does give it. Dr. Griever, I have an additional uh, ad lib question. And before I ask it, I do want to testify just a little bit about how the Lord is working within uh, our local congregation. There are uh, some in my congregation that are very interested about this topic right now. So I've had a extreme blessing to be able to disciple uh, two individuals in my church individually about the topic of biblical hermeneutics. And so right now, I just want to seek some wisdom from you as a pastor. And uh, I've been teaching the grammatical historical approach to these two members individually. Uh, are there any dangers that I should be uh, worried about or any precautions that I should have as I'm teaching the grammatical historical hermeneutic approach. Yeah, that, that's insightful on, on your part, because I think you sense as a pastor 
uh, a possible caution that the Bible should never only be an academic exercise. Um, it, this is not about just passing a test or getting a degree. Uh, so as we teach poetry or apocalyptic literature or, or as we uh, think about symbolism and various things appropriate to and indeed necessary for the right interpretation of the scripture, you want to always keep your people focused on the fact that this is God's word. To rightly interpret the word of God is not just to read the mind of Paul, but it's to read the mind of God, that God is speaking through Paul or John or Mark or Luke or whatever, and and that he, he does so for the purpose of accomplishing his saving work in our lives, which begins, it goes through the gate of the mind and into the heart and, and into the soul. So I think one of the key things that you can do, Austin, is to, is to help your uh, Timothys, if I could call them that, uh, help them, help them to um, see the Word of God uh, in whatever text they're studying as God's Word, not just Paul's Word, but God's Word, and that he is speaking to, through it to them for the application of that truth in their lives. So application is a vital step with interpretation uh, because the word of God is meant to change our lives, not just to inform our heads. Um, what that does is it keeps a freshness. It, it keeps, uh, frankly, it keeps pride down because if, you know, if we're just thinking, I want to learn the word of God to impress people that with what I know, that's sin. Um, but w this is about discipleship. This is about following Christ. This is about obeying the Lord. This is about reflecting his holy nature through our right understanding of his word in our life experience so that we are his instruments in this world. Um, so there's a there's a flowing there that that keeps us humble and keeps us dependent upon him and keeps the purpose of Bible study in where it needs to be. That, that I think, is really important. So the final question, um, and then I'm going to leave the floor open for you to say whatever else you'd like, Dr. Griever. But um, what are some books or resources that you would recommend both for the pastor or the layperson who desires to be a better interpreter of Scripture? Hmm. Yeah, um, I want to say to you guys, you may not be aware, but many years ago, when I was in school, um, there weren't a lot of books on biblical interpretation. Um, there was biblical background study and all of that sort of thing, but but hermeneutical study has become more uh, popular in the last 30 years or so. Um, and that's good and that's bad. Um, it's good in that we are beginning to see books being printed uh, uh, about this, uh, some of which are good. Uh, but you're seeing some other quirky stuff going on as well. The two books I would recommend um, just for basic biblical interpretation 
that is um, understandable and accessible to uh, people in our church. One is by Walter Kaiser and Moises Silva, Introduction to Biblical Hermeneutics. And the other is uh, Scott by Scott Duvall and Daniel Hayes, entitled Grasping God's Word. Uh, these two books, they're not perfect books, but they're helpful books in that they, uh, the, uh, the Kaiser Silva book uses uh, quite a bit of material on uh, dealing with various li literary genres. Uh, the Duval and Hayes book, uh, I think, does a fairly good job of, of, of describing the interpretive process as going back to another place in time and understanding through the bridge of interpretation what that looks like in our present day. Um, but again, those books are, are, are available and they are usable even for lay people. Um, and remember the book, no, there's no perfect book. Um, but these are, these are very helpful books to get you started. Well, we've been discussing biblical hermeneutics with Dr. Griever. And we want to remind you about our friends and partners at Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. CBTS exists to provide ministerial training in the context of a confessional local church. They are, among other things, confessional, Baptist, affordable, and accessible. You can learn more about them at cbtseminary.org. That is cbtseminary.org. We also want to tell you about a conference that is hosted by Dr. Griever's church at First Baptist Church of Fenton. The Founders Midwest Conference will take place on February 25th and February 26th of 2020. Uh, the main theme for the Founders Midwest Conference this year is Union with Christ. And the main keynote speaker is Dr. Greg Gilbert. We want to invite you to come to the Founders Midwest Conference. Dr. Griever, thank you for being so gracious by giving us your time and coming on the Covenant Podcast today to discuss biblical hermeneutics. Thank you very much, Ben. It's been a joy to be with you. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Podcast. If you've enjoyed this resource or you simply like the Covenant Podcast, head on over to our iTunes page, subscribe, and leave us a review. We are also available via Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, and Podbean. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Podcast. Grace and peace to you.